Wake, our mission is simple. Know God, take action. We pray this podcast will help you on that journey. Good morning. I haven't been able to say good morning for six months to you guys. It's so great to be meeting in the morning. Yeah. Although I had different image in my mind of what our first service at the new property would look like. Isn't it like God to do things differently than what you think in every single way? By the way, those that are in the shade, you're, feel free to move to the sun if, uh, if you would like that. I know that it's, it's rising and everybody will be touched here shortly, but there's room over here in the sun if you want to drag your chair over there. Feel free to do that. Um, great to be here with you on this beautiful day in this place. Man, I'm, I'm thankful that it is not pouring rain. You guys realize uh, we've been watching every day the weather over the last two weeks. And you know what it said every day over the last two weeks? Rain, 70, 80% rain. And um, we prayed, and I know the intercessors were praying. And two days ago when I woke up, or three days ago, I looked and it said there was a sunshine. For Sunday morning, the Lord did this for you. He did this for me. He did this for us. Thank you, Lord, for this sunshine. We just want to say thank you, God, for giving us this blue sky and sunshine today on this very, very special day. One of my favorite services that we have had here at Awake over the years, if you might remember, about eight years or so ago, we were meeting in our old building, and the power went out on Easter, Resurrection Sunday. We had 500 people and no power. So we all stood. How many were there of you? Many. We stood in the lobby. Uh, Scott Couch ran around to get some lights, and we did some temporary lights, and we uh, st all stood together in the lobby the worshipers, the uh, leaders, they did an acoustic set, and it was amazing. It was one of my favorite times. And there's something about doing something a little different that you remember, for one, it stands out to you, like we'll never forget this. There's something about that, plus being outside, I think is just wonderful. And I think it helps us even today to remember a little bit, maybe more clearly, or to identify a little bit better with that morning that Jesus rose from the grave, as we're outside and the sun is rising over us, helps us remember exactly that the sun rose for us today. Thank you, Lord. It started a very long time ago at the first Passover. I want to share just a little bit about how this resurrection day that happened, how that led up to that day. On the darkest of nights, the last day of Israel's 400 years of slavery in Egypt, when death was in the air, literally, God invited all of the Jews to take a young lamb, unblemished, innocent, and kill it. Then place the blood of that innocent lamb over the doorposts of their home. 
and then eat all of that lamb. Receive it all into themselves and then take the blood from that lamb and put it over their doorposts. That innocent lamb lost its life, but everyone who applied its blood to their homes were protected. Saved from death. And then they were set free from slavery. They ate, they applied, and then they walked into their freedom. And that, of course, was a picture of something that God had planned in the future. Not just from a little lamb, but from the Lamb of God, right? And that was the very first Passover. That word Passover meant that the death angel passed over everyone who had the blood applied to their homes. Of course, God had this better fulfillment planned, not just for the Jewish people, not just to end the slavery for some people, but to end slavery to sin for all of mankind. Right? He had that planned, but there was only one way to do that. The only antidote to sin in the universe is perfect blood. The only one perfect is God. As the Son of God in heaven, who had worked with the Father to create the universe, he was the answer. He was the only answer. And somehow there was a conversation, an agreement that Jesus said yes to leaving heaven and coming to earth. In John 3.16, it says, For God so loved the world. Love was the motivating factor. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whoever believes in him would not perish, but have eternal life. And so Jesus, out of love, left his home, Magnificent, excuse me, magnificence, worship, millions of angels, all power and dominion, and he jumped from the platform in heaven and descended, changing form, losing multiple dimensions. I've counted in my own count about 12 to 13 different dimensions that God has. Jesus shed those dimensions to become a seed smaller than what the eye could see, transported and carried by the Holy Spirit, and implanted into the womb of a young teenage woman who had never been with a man. God combined this seed with the egg of a woman, and God baby began growing, was birthed, grew to be a boy, then a teenager, then a man. And as Jesus grew and matured, he grew in his relationship with his father. Being obedient, he was baptized, he lived a sinless life, he chose disciples, healed the sick, raised the dead, all the while carrying in his own body what the devil didn't understand was the antidote for sin for all of mankind, carrying it around. Then he became, as you know, the perfect Lamb of God. They've been celebrating the Passover 1,400 times as Jesus is then becoming the Lamb of God. And this time, this Lamb, the one sacrifice for all. To pay for generational sin and personal sin. Sin of every type. The antidote in the veins of Jesus and then through his broken body, 
we were healed, and through his perfect blood, we were cleansed. I know we're talking about the resurrection today, but the resurrection happened after something else that weekend. Happened after Jesus gave his entire life, body and blood, to pay for our sin. And when he died and hung there, said it's finished, gave up his spirit, the veil was rent, it was torn from top to bottom, access to the Father, after all those thousands of years, happened. All those who would receive him and apply his blood to their lives would be forgiven, cleansed as if it had never happened. Amazing. So I want to remember that sacrifice that led to the resurrection, the body of Jesus that was broken for you, broken for me. Beaten, whipped, torn, pierced so that we could be healed. Healed in body, healed in mind, healed in every way. We remember, let's close our eyes and just remember, Lord, we just want to say thank you. We say thank you for your body, broken for me. Thank you for going all the way to the cross and for allowing yourself to go through that punishment so that we could be freed from our sin. That You became the sacrifice so that we could be free. Thank you for freeing us from slavery. Slavery to sickness and the disease of sin. We remember your body right now and say, thank you, Jesus. And of course, on the night that Jesus was betrayed, the night that he said he looked forward to, he poured some wine and he said, this is the new covenant in my blood. As often as you do this, remember me. And so Jesus, we right now remember you, your blood, the antidote to sin that you carried around in your body for those years to pay the price one time for all time. My sin, all of my hopelessness, you paid for and gave me hope. You cleansed me. You cleansed us. Your blood paid the price, not only for that moment, but into the future to our day, to us sitting right here, paid for our sin. And we say, thank you, Jesus. We look at you and we remember you and we honor your sacrifice. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's receive. Of course, as he hung there, the sky went black, dark, like it was nighttime. The earth started to shake. That veil was torn. And the price was fully paid. And then the sacrifice of his own body led another Joseph to him. You know, when he was born, this man named, named Joseph and this woman named Mary raised him. And as he died, God brought another Joseph. This was Joseph of Arimathea to carry his body with Mary, another Mary, Mary Magdalene. So there's another Joseph and Mary show up to carry his body to the tomb. 
placing the Son of God, the Prince of Life, into this brand new tomb. And then on Sunday morning, just as the sun was about to rise, on the third day, the way I see it is the Father couldn't stand it any longer. It was time. His Son, fully, completely obedient, had paid it all. Now it's time to raise him from the dead. Give him victory over death, hell, and the grave. And sent the Spirit of God into that tomb. He didn't need to open the door to get in there. He went in and raised up Jesus, who was lying there with the rolled up cloth at his head and in his feet. You know, in rabbinical history of the priest. I remember reading this, that once a priest was done sacrificing for the day, for the sins of the people, he would go in, take his garments off, roll them up, and put it in his head and sleep on that garment. Here's Jesus, our priest, gone before us, paid the sacrifice of all time, and there are his garments rolled up at his head and at his feet. The Holy Spirit raises him from the dead. They removed the stone so we could see it. He didn't have to have the stone removed to get out of there. He could go right through walls. They removed it so we could see that it was empty. And it could have been a day like today. Chilly, sunny. Not sure what that day was like. But there were several women. Mary, Joanna, another Mary. Salome and others came running, barged into a room of fearful and downcast men known as the apostles who were mourning the death of their leader and afraid that they were next. These men had been following Jesus until he'd been taken, horrifically mutilated and murdered. They had expectations of a different ending and a different kind of day than the one that they were in even though Jesus told them this was going to happen. I imagine that when the women broke into that silent room, out of breath from running, saying some things that sounded really crazy to them, especially early morning, like they had just seen angels, the huge stone had been rolled away, the body of Jesus was gone, resurrected, the garments were rolled up, and Jesus was alive. Says in Luke 24, but these words appeared to them as nonsense. They would not believe them. Sometimes we can be so down and have hopes dashed so much that the best of news, the most amazing experience, the very thing that Jesus said would happen doesn't seem real. It seems like nonsense in a world that the opposite feels true. This was the condition of the apostles. And the difficult things in life try to shake your faith and my faith too, all around. We cannot let go of what is really real, regardless of what is around us or how things feel. And to me, one of the beautiful things that really corroborates, validates the authenticity of the scriptures 
is the way that this story is told. It does not sugarcoat anything. The disciples did not believe at this moment. They were wounded. They were, their expectations had been dashed. They were sad. This is not a, a fairy tale here. And then in a man's world, when this, when this book was written, it was a man's world, the testimony of a woman was not trusted. You realize that, right? Even if we're several women, as was the case here. Thankful that God does things differently and he trusts women. And this is how the Bible describes this. It was women who first found out that Jesus had risen. It was women who were carrying the news of this to the disciples. It was women who experienced not only conversation with the angel, but conversation with the risen Savior right off the bat. If I were making up a story, I would not have written it like this. But this is the true story. This isn't a fairy tale. This isn't a man-made religion. This is God's story, and these women could be trusted. Enough happened for them to at least see if this were true, because Peter and John took off running down toward the tomb. When they got there, they saw it just as the women had described. Stone rolled away. Messiah gone, rolled up garments. Jesus did not stay dead. And what he had prophesied happened. He was not an ordinary man. He was the son of God, the savior of the world. Other than Enoch and Elijah, who we know God took with their bones and everything. Everyone else, their bones are still here. Muhammad, Buddha, King David, Abraham, Moses, ours will eventually, unless Jesus comes back first. But this Jesus, no ordinary man, his bones, his skin, his hair, resurrected. He conquered death, and he still got his bones and skin with him. How about that? It's true. 16 different non-biblical writers of the time wrote about Jesus. Not just what are it, what's in our scriptures. At the perfect time, Jesus died. At the perfect time, he rose again to life. 500 people saw him alive after he rose from the dead. You realize there's more documentation historically that proved that Jesus lived than the emperor who was alive at the time, Tiberius Caesar. Not that we have to have all those things. We believe regardless, but it is throughout history. Shows that Jesus was alive, died, and rose again. And he changed everything. Later, later that evening on the resurrection day, Jesus himself walked through the walls of a room with these same disciples who were still fearful. Some of them not really believing still. And he showed him his hands and his side. They became believers all over again. Decades later, decades later, when the Apostle John was on the island of Patmos, Jesus showed up there as well. His words were, do not be afraid. I am the first and the last and the ever living one. I died, but see, I am alive forevermore. 
I have the keys of death and of Hades, the realm of the dead, here in my hand. He said that to John. He is alive forever. The great enemy, death, both natural and eternal, was overcome and will always be forevermore overcome by Jesus. Death is no longer master. We don't have to fear it. Remember the grieving sister when her brother Lazarus had died. Jesus came up to her and said, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even if he dies. And everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Speaking of eternal life, he is the resurrection. He holds all the keys, has all the authority over death, hell, and the grave. Jesus came to earth because God loves us. Jesus gave his own life to free us and to give us life, everlasting life. So that all who believe in him and receive him would live forever with him, never die. The resurrection means that Jesus wasn't just a good man, but everything that he said was true. Everything. He said the Son of Man will be killed, but will rise again from death. True. He also said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. That's what Jesus said. And everything else that he said is true. The resurrection means there's supernatural involvement, supernatural power, not just stories. Jesus causes someone to be born again. It's supernatural. He heals. He sets free. He removes sin. He also gives us victorious living. Romans 8.11 says, But if the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead, that same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. You're not going to feel that all the time, but it's true. He gives life to our mortal bodies right now. You've been made alive. 1 Corinthians 15 says, For since by a man came death, by a man also came the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ all will be made alive. All will be made alive. Whoever believes in him is made alive, is born again. The resurrection means that love is much stronger than death. That very same day that Jesus appeared to the disciples and showed them his hands and his feet, Maybe a couple hours before that, I'm not sure. Same day. I'm going to read this. This is Luke out of Luke 24. Now the very day, the resurrection day, two of them, two of the people who had been following him, were going to a village seven miles from Jerusalem called Emmaus. And they were conversing about all the things that had just occurred. And it happened that while they were conversing and debating that Jesus himself drew near and walked with them. Jesus loves to surprise us. He will just surprise you. He will surprise me. He will surprise anyone. And who you're walking with, you've got to pay attention. Could be him. But their eyes were prevented from recognizing him. And he asked them, what are you discussing as you walk along? 
They stopped. They stopped walking when he asked that question. Looking downcast, sad. They had their sad faces on. One of them, named Cleopas, said to him in reply, Are you the only visitor to Jerusalem who does not know of the things that have just taken place in these days? He said that to Jesus. And he replied to them, what sort of things? What? They said to him, the things that happened to Jesus the Nazarene, who was a prophet. He used to be. Mighty indeed in word before God and all the people. How our chief priests and rulers both handed him over to a sentence of death and crucified him. But we were hoping. We used to hope that this was the one. That he would be the one to redeem Israel. And besides all this, it is now the third day since this took place. Some women from our group, however, have astounded us this morning. They were at the tomb early and did not find his body. They came back and reported that they had indeed seen a vision of angels. Not really angels, just a vision of one. Who announced that he was alive. Then some of those who with us went to the tomb and found things just as the women had described. But him they did not see. And he said to them, Oh, how foolish you are. How slow of heart to believe all that the prophets spoke. Was it not necessary that the Messiah should suffer these things and enter into his glory? Then, beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them what referred to himself in all of the scriptures. As they approached the village to which they were going, he gave the impression that he was going on further. But they urged him, stay with us, for it's nearly evening and the day is almost over. And he went in to stay with them. And it happened that while he was with them at table, he took bread, said the blessing, broke it, and gave it to them. With that, their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he vanished from their sight. and probably reappeared in front of the disciples a second later. The reality is that Jesus had conquered death, was fully alive, and was walking and speaking with them. On the very day, they were sad, downcast, hopeless. The risen Savior was walking with them, talking to them, sharing himself with them. Unmet expectations can cause us to lose hope. We have to recognize that things will not always go the way we expect. Here we are. They will not always go the way we want or think they will. But God always has the last word. His hope does not fade away, does not weaken, is always right there. Regardless of what we walk through. And we live in a weird world, don't we? A society where selfishness has been ruling and it causes all kinds of crazy thinking. But guess what? The Bible also talked about that and said it would be like this. 2 Timothy 3, just as a reminder, remember Jesus reminded or told them what would happen. They didn't believe it. Here's what the Bible says about the days you and I are living in. But understand this, there will be difficult and terrifying times in the last days. People will be self-centered, 
Lovers of money. Are either of those things happening? Proud, haughty, abusive, disobedient to their parents. Ungrateful for all that's been done. Irreligious, shunning everything having to do with God. Callous, irreconcilable, not able to forgive. Slanderous, licentious, brutal, hating what is good. Traitors, reckless, conceited. Lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. That's what's described as what will happen in the days that you and I are living in. All those things. But does that mean that we should lose hope when we're living in those days? No, the exact opposite. Jesus is alive. What he said is true. He will return, and he has chosen this moment for you and I to be alive. To live in these days. To live in this time. You're right where you're supposed to be. Living in the days that you're supposed to be living in. Someone mentioned to me about two days ago, man, didn't we just have the, weren't the 70s and the 80s just the very best? It was like the peak and then it's just gone down from then. I can understand that in some ways, but you know what? With God in the kingdom, it's the opposite. Everything builds, gets better and better and better and better. Jesus is alive forevermore. He's got the keys to death, hell, and the grave. His spirit lives inside of us. The same spirit that raised Jesus lives in us. The bones of our Savior still have skin on them. And he's seated at the right hand of the Father. Except for those times when he stands up to cheer on his servants who are doing amazing things on the earth like he did with Stephen. And nothing is impossible. Amen. Today's also, as we remember, the day of salvation. You and I still can eat the lamb. Receive all that he's done for us. Apply his blood to our lives. You know, the Israelites, when they slaughtered that lamb and ate it, that blood could have been it, was, it had power, but if it wasn't applied, it was worthless. They had to apply it. And there are moments in every, a, at least a moment, if not several, in every believer's life, every person's life, where they choose to believe and then apply what he said. And I believe most of you, if not all of you, are followers of Jesus. But if you're not, today is the day of salvation, it says. And you can be born again. That means the life you used to have goes away and a new life begins. Born again. By the Spirit. God can do that. It's what He does. He does that supernaturally. Makes you a brand new person. Says all things become new. If you have not been born again, don't pass up today. Make sure that you say yes to him. Give your life to him. He will lead you. He will cleanse you. He will help you through the difficult things. He'll be with you all the time into eternity. Make sure that you respond. If you haven't responded, respond. And we give 
Prayer teams are going to be up here in just a moment. People who will walk you through that, talk with you, introduce you to Jesus, and then celebrate with you. Lord, we'll just say thank you. Thank you for what you did. Thank you for rising from the dead. Thank you that you call us your own. Thank you for the power in your name, the power in resurrection. Thank you that we are all sons and daughters of yours. And we remember this day when you rose to life, when the Father and the Spirit went into that tomb and pulled you out and gave you life all over again. Thank you that you hold those keys of death forever and that we get to live forevermore in you. Thank you, Father, for this beautiful day. Thank you for these beautiful people. Thank you for this moment, even right now, your presence that is near. Thank you for the story that isn't just a story, but it's our story, the story of our freedom, the story of our deliverance from slavery to sin. And victory over everything that comes against us. Thank you, Jesus. We love you. We bless you. And Lord, we say yes to all that's ahead. Lord, cause our hope to always be strong. You are the God of all hope. And when things happen that are unexpected, when things happen that we don't plan on, when difficult times happen, Lord, help us to remember this day as well. To remember the day that you rose from the dead that you are alive forevermore, that hope is as near as our breath. You, the hope for all of us, everlasting hope. In Jesus, wonderful, powerful, strong, beautiful, saving name. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to today's message. For updates on future episodes, make sure to subscribe to our podcast and leave us a review to let us know how we're doing. For more information about Awake Church, visit awakechurch.com.